Welcome in everyone to another edition of the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com and also the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa airing weekdays 11 to noon. The Talking Tide Twitter feed is Talking underscore Tide. You can keep up with our latest podcast drops there for sure. Uh, And you can also, of course, get us at our web host at podbean.com and various apps, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also want to thank our fine sponsors, North River Dental Associates, Heat Pizza Bar, and Southern Ale House, all outstanding local businesses in the Tuscaloosa area. And Travis, uh, as we crank up yet another edition of Talking Tide, we're timing this thing in between the end of the regular season for the UA men's basketball team and just prior to the SEC tournament. And uh, why don't we preview spring football instead? (laughs) Yeah, I think that was the thought pretty much for a lot of Alabama fans, especially after the midweek home loss to Vanderbilt at Coleman Coliseum, let alone that sort of, Wow, I don't even know what to call what we saw on Saturday in Columbia, Missouri, but 50 points? And I understand that's the way Quinzo, Quinzo Martin, uh, Missouri, likes to play. They wanted exactly the pace they got in that game, the regular season finale on Saturday. But, wow, I don't know what was more sort of disappointing. The 50 total points for the SEC's top scoring outfit are the 48 points that Alabama gave up in the second half to a Missouri team that entered the game ranked 13th in the league in scoring. So uh, all the way around, it's hard to remember a team, Chase, at least for me, maybe you can recall one, that went from a bubble NCAA tournament team on a Tuesday to very much a bubble NIT team by that Saturday, I, I'm having a hard time sort of pulling one of those teams to to the front of my uh, my, my thought process there. Yeah, I can't. It, it's truly hard to imagine Alabama with the loss falls to 16 and 15 overall, eight and 10 in the SEC, and and Missouri's only 7 11 to wrap up league play. So it's not exactly like they didn't get beat by the, by the uh, 85 Lakers or anything. Uh, (laughs) Kira Lewis jr. Scores 18, the lead away for Alabama had seven turnovers in the game there. That's way too big a number uh, for your point guard. He's really been carrying a lot of the scoring loads lately, Travis. He's put up a lot of points uh, for the tide, but there's just, there hadn't been as much behind him. As a matter of fact, in the Vanderbilt loss, uh, I think the bench only scored three points the whole game. The bench for Alabama on Saturday against Missouri was outscored 40 to five. Yeah. I, I don't know many games in which you uh, win. I, there were so many numbers from this game Saturday that you could pull from and say, yeah, that's a, that's a game you're going to lose, especially on the road. But you know, whenever you have more turnovers and personal fouls than you have field goals in a game chase, that's usually a pretty good indicator that you've lost that game. And that was the case for Alabama. 21 fouls, 18 turnovers, just 14 buckets for Alabama against Missouri. And Kyra was sort of victim of that as well. And you said it. He played all 40 minutes in the game. Once again, pretty much playing every minute available to him. Uh, just six field goals for 
uh, Kyra in the game, seven turnovers. So when that sort of ratio breaks down, especially where Alabama's star player on the offensive end is concerned, the end result is not going to be good for Alabama, even against a, a, a very much mediocre to subpar Missouri team. This may sound like a stretch, but this Alabama basketball team in some ways reminds me a little bit of Nick Saban's first Alabama football team in 2007 in this way. Saban came in and he knew what the identity he wanted was, but he really didn't have the personnel to establish it until 08. And I think Nate Oates has come in and clearly – the identity he wants is a team that runs and jacks up as many threes as any team in the nation. And if that's the only identity you need to win, I guess he'd be fine, but it's not because you still got to play defense. You still got to protect the basketball. They haven't been doing as much of that. Uh, and so from that standpoint, I think Nate Oates knows exactly what he wants the team to be, but it's going to be year two at least before he can really establish the identity that he envisions. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And when you look back at that 2007 Alabama football team, that was a team that was very much talent deficient, certainly in comparison to what Alabama became in just a few short years uh, under Nick Saban. That 2007 team was also a little bit character deficient in that some of the guys that that team really depended upon as that season wore on, some of their true colors started to reveal themselves a little bit. You saw couple some of, of the couple issues. Couple of wideouts from the Panhandle. Yes, yes. Travis, weren't exactly yeah. on board. A leopard can't change its <laughs> spots. My grandfather once told me. Um, yeah, that you know, you had some of that. I don't think that's the case with this team. I don't think there's bad guys on this team. Um, and I think in some ways the personnel, the skill sets fit what Nate Oates wants to do. But in terms of mindset, the other side of that, we talk so much about shooting the three-point shot, perimeter-based basketball, all those things. I think there are guys that fit that. And look, again, you have to point to the injuries and the situations that kept guys off the court entirely for this 2019-2020 team. All that understood, you know, those caveats out of the way. At the end of the day, when it comes February and it's time to really grind through and get some of these wins, especially at home, Chase, this team is going to look back and see the the waste that was a lot of these home opportunities uh, in games like Tennessee and uh, Vanderbilt, for crying out loud, Penn, even in the season opener. Uh, that's what this team's going to look back on and sort of kick themselves about. But that that mindset, that you have to work through and grind through and be willing to do whatever it takes to win games, especially when it gets tougher later in the season. And you're sort of in that second go around with some of these teams, Chase, you've been scouted. Okay. So you can't just, or your style or your approach getting you through, it comes down to 50, 50 balls. It comes down to that hard hat mentality that we've heard Nate Oates talk about. And that's probably what he's most disappointed in at this point in the season. You know, when that needed to really come to the forefront for this team, it just didn't happen. No, no, it didn't. What, what about Kira Lewis and, and his place in this program at this point, two years in best player on the team, 
is he pro ready? Is he pro? Is he good enough to play in the pros? And if so, is he ready now? Or do you think he's uh, going to end up being a, a four-year college player? How do you? How do you what, what's the percentage chance that he's back leading Nate Oates' team next year? Yeah, I don't think it's all that great right now. Um, unfortunately for Alabama, Kyra was good enough to sort of, I think, in the eyes of the NBA people, position himself in a way that he's at least in the conversation for round one coming up this summer. And typically, if that's the case, a guy's going to go ahead and, and take that leap. And unfortunately for Alabama, kind of like Ronald Steele, although Ronald's situation, you know, 10, 12 years ago, God, almost 15 years ago, I guess now, Ronald's situation was more health-related with the knees and, and some of the stuff that he went through with the lower extremities. And in similar fashion, he was depended on so much and played on the ball so many minutes uh, in, in 2006, 2007, that sort of era there. Uh, I, I think that's I think that's where I would kind of look at Kyra Lewis if this is, in fact, uh, his, his, the, the end of his time at Alabama. But um, I, as far as the NBA goes, Chase, I, I think the thing he can do is he can he can generate offense, man. And he, he doesn't need a lot of help uh, to do it. He can get to the rim. I think the biggest question with Kyra is that physically – you know, he's not the strongest, bulkiest type dude out there. So on the ball playing defense, is he going to hold up? You know, how well can he hold up there? Uh, can he finish through traffic and physicality at the rim at the next level? Um, you know, I think those are going to be some of the questions, but it seems anyway, Chase, right now that there is enough interest from the NBA as a potential late first round guy to go ahead and make that jump. And you know this, the thing about hoops too is, I mean, if you don't make it in the first round, you can still, you know, sign a kind of two-way contract with some of these teams where you're maybe in the G League to start. Look at Dante Hall this year. He's up with the Detroit Pistons on a couple of 10-day contracts where you can get to the NBA in a relatively short period of time. And, you know, even in Europe, you know, you go to the top leagues over there, the, the paychecks aren't all that bad. No, they're not at all. And, you know, two and done's, aren't really that common because most of the time you're either one and done or you're a, or you're a four-year college guy. Uh, but I think you're right. I think Lewis may, may be a two and done. Usually two and done just means two and done with you, right? Two and done with and, the and, college. And Kyra is really a one and done because, you know, he reclassified a year ago. I mean, he, he should have been a senior in high school during his freshman season. That's true. So, you know, he's a second-year guy. That in terms of chronological uh, age, he's really a one and done. So you know, you also look at it from that standpoint. With if you're an NBA person too, his best basketball is still in front of him. Chase physically, he's going to continue to mature, um, do some of those things he needs to do there. And uh, you know, you're, you're thinking ceiling for a guy like Kyron. If you're somewhere down at the bottom of round one, and you're not depending on that guy in year one to sort of be your focal point on the basketball hey why not take a guy with this type of ability and skill set coming up for alabama next the sec tournament it's march 11 through 15 at bridgestone arena in nashville tennessee the uh first game for the crimson tide which comes in as the nine seed in the conference tourney travis going to be thursday against those tennessee vols I believe that's going to be a noon tip-off on the SEC network. And, of course, the winner of that 
gets the one seed, Kentucky, the very next day, which uh, I would imagine if that's Alabama, that'd be, if they happen to beat Tennessee, that'd be where the road will end for Alabama in the SEC tournament. You know, they call it the Big Blue Invitational, the SEC tournament, and it's almost as if Kentucky invites Alabama as that sort of quarterfinal opponent on an annual basis. I mean, this is an every year thing in this thing at this point. And so, you know, that was kind of the double whammy for Alabama um, with Kentucky there coming in as the one. Uh, You wanted to be the seven if you could make that work. Uh, It did not work. Uh, you got to give a lot of credit, by the way, to Buzz Williams and Texas A&M. You talk about year ones that finished on a stronger note for a club than it did for Alabama. I'd say Buzz Williams uh, pulled off that and going 10-8 and eight, uh, in SEC play this year. But, yeah, I guess the old saying, you're going to have to beat them at some point. So if you're Alabama, if you beat Tennessee in what should be the equivalent of a home game for the home state volunteers, right? You're going to have to turn right around and beat Kentucky in what will be the equivalent of a home game for the nearby uh, Wildcats. It's such a grind to win that many games in that short of time. If you're you're one of the top four seeds in the conference tournament, you don't even lace them up until Friday. Uh, Kentucky is your one seed. Auburn, your two seed. LSU is three. Mississippi State is four. They all uh, get to eat popcorn and watch basketball until Friday. (laughs) Yeah, that double buy is uh, that's sweet. You know, if you can if you can make it work, but um, you know, and again, that was something else. Alabama doesn't seem all that long ago was sort of in contention for, but uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see the mindset again, as much as anything, Chase, that this team shows up with, and you know, sitting there with the record that it has, um, as we talked about earlier, you know, is is the NIT. Uh, still in, really within reach at 16 and 15 and 8 and 10 in the SEC. I would think that it is, but to do it, I, to me, I, I think that that uh, Wednesday's a play-in game for the NIT for Alabama. Rough, rough finish for, for Alabama for sure. Although I think Nate Oates would, would – would, mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, no one's excited about going to the NIT, but it is an opportunity to improve with some younger guys and play some more games and – Establish a little bit more of what you're going to be looking for in year two. The Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors quickly, and then we're going to turn our attention briefly uh, to Alabama's forthcoming SEC football practice. Brought to you first by North River Dental Associates, charter sponsor of the Talking Tide podcast. And Dr. Jack Smalley and his staff at Dental Hygienists do such an excellent job. Over there at North River Dental Associates, it's right off of Watermelon Road. The experience there can't be beat. You pull in there, plenty of parking, never an issue there. You go in, you sign in, you sit down. They're going to have you in and out of that waiting room so fast. If the couch was on fire, you wouldn't get burned. Uh, head right in there and, and get in that chair. They got an outstanding terrarium around this time of year. Uh, it's fun to peek out that window while you're getting your teeth cleaned up. And uh, they do a great job of it. They get you in and out of there typically in less than an hour on a routine cleaning. And, of course, they can perform all kinds of other dental services, including laser dentistry, teeth whitening services, endodontics, dentures, dental implants, pediatric dentistry, cosmetic dentistry, the whole range. 
Check them out at North River Dental Associates. You can go to the web for an appointment at NorthRiverDentist.com or you can give them a call at 752-3506 for an appointment. Remember, it's North River Dental Associates. I'm going to tell you about Heat Pizza Bar in downtown Tuscaloosa right there at Government Plaza in downtown Tuscaloosa. Will, Frank, our great friends there at Heat Pizza Bar, continue to do an outstanding job. And with March Madness upon us, even if it doesn't involve the Alabama Crimson Tide, that is going to be a great place to post up. Not only are you going to get those great pizzas, not only are you going to get those full bar opportunities that you get there at Heat with the outstanding craft cocktails, the craft beers, uh, anything really that you could want there at Heat Pizza Bar. Will and Frank are sports on the cable aficionados, I like to call them. So you walk in there, say, that first Thursday of the NCAA tournament. Will and Frank are going to have the televisions on the games. They're going to have it set up in a way in which you can sit at the bar, you can sit at one of the tables, really anywhere in the establishment, and lock in on March Madness action, starting really this week with conference tournament play, including SEC tournament play. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Also want to tell you about our great friends out there in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Those, of course, being the great folks at Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. You know, Good Bread and myself, really, we kind of find ourselves jockeying around that outstanding menu there at Southern Ale House. Sometimes it'll be that Yardbird chicken sandwich, that smoked chicken breast with American cheese, thick-cut hickory smoked bacon on there, a little arugula, fresh-sliced tomato, and that Slap Your Mama sauce on a buttery soft bun. Ooh, you can't beat the yard bird, but maybe you want a salad. You can do it with the chopped uh, wedge. That's a personal favorite of mine myself as well. Uh, just really crisp iceberg lettuce, some some fresh tomato on there, and the bacon bits. These aren't that uh, sort of gravelly bacon bits you get at some places. This is, again, that fresh hickory smoked bacon that they chop up nicely for you. Those biscuit croutons that are homemade on those salads as well. Outstanding stuff at Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Bacon bits on that chopped wedge are bigger. They're they're bigger than M&M's. They're huge. Can't beat them. (laughs) Absolutely. Great, great stuff. Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you a few more minutes. We're going to talk Alabama spring football coming up. Travis, believe it or not, uh, spring practice for Nick Saban and the boys launches in T-minus five days from uh, wow. the moment at which we launched this podcast. I think Friday is is when get, they're going to get things cranked up over there. And really, uh, certainly the fan focus on spring drills this year is going to be on that quarterback position. Probably more intrigue and in who's going to play quarterback in Alabama in the in the fall since we've had since I guess 2016 when Jalen Hurts was was a freshman, and of course that previous spring prior to 2016, uh, no one quite knew what to make of the position uh, then either. Yeah, that you're right. There was just uh, total intrigue when you think back to four years ago. But I think it's going to be similar this time around, Chase, because it's not only that you have sort of the veteran presence, the guy going into his fourth year in the program, and Mac Jones who came off very impressive starts on four different occasions during the 2019 season. You have the new guy, 
the number one overall recruit for the 2020 recruiting cycle and Bryce Young making his way into the picture this spring from Modern Day High School out in Santa Ana, California. And then you got to consider Talia Tonga Vialoa in all this as well, certainly as the younger brother to Tua, certainly with you know the potential for attrition at the position and how Nick Saban will go about handling this situation. The only thing I feel that's pretty much certain going into Friday is that Nick Saban ain't announcing a starter anytime soon, good bread. No. I think you know if he announces a starter – before depth chart day on the Monday before Southern California coming up in late August. I'll be really, really surprised, Jace. Yeah, Nick Saban never tips his hand when it comes to a starting quarterback, that's for sure. Uh, and, and I look, with the way Mac Jones, had, with the experience that he has and the way he played down the stretch for Alabama, I, traditionally you would look at him and say, okay, there, there's your starter. Where's the controversy, right? Where, Where is the quarterback? Well, I'll tell you why. When you bring in the number one recruit in the country at the position, as Nick Saban is doing this particular year, and by the way, he's a guy who's, a, who, who's well-suited uh, to the RPO game, and the RPO game is where the Alabama offense has gone. Well, all of a sudden, Mac Jones doesn't necessarily get the presumption of a starting role here in early March. He doesn't. And uh, especially when you take a look at at some of the footage from Bryce Young's high school career as recently uh, as last fall. And, you know, it ain't like Bryce Young's coming in here from uh, op high school. Okay. I mean, he's coming in from perhaps the top high school football program in all the country, which means he has already faced, at least at the prep level, the very best competition. And he has been prepared in a way that he should transition fairly seamlessly in terms of the scheme and what his high school did and what Alabama is doing now. I think that helps Bryce Young as well. But I just wouldn't sleep on Mac Jones. I mean, he's just one of these guys doesn't blow you away in any one particular area. But Max also one of those guys that he never quite seems to get the memo that everyone else puts out there and that he shouldn't be able to win the job because of Bryce Young coming in. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a lot of fun to watch and sort of see how it, it plays itself out over the course of 15 practices leading up to A-Day on April the 18th. But again... I think this thing goes well into fall camp and really even beyond uh, before we get a a real inclination as to who's going to be the starter against USC and also the potential to play a couple guys even in that game. Plenty of returning experience around the quarterback position for Alabama. Certainly up front, they're returning several key guys, losing Jedrick Wills, of course. That's huge. But elsewhere on the offensive front, uh, they'll be experienced couple of outstanding receivers back in Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, Najee Harris back. So other than the quarterback position, Travis, the next focus has to be on a defense that frankly struggled last year, particularly by Alabama's own standards. Uh, when you look at the three units, Travis, DL, linebackers, secondary, uh, which of those three units are going to grab your attention first when those spring football practice gates open? D, all of the above. How about that for a bailout? (laughs) All of them, yeah. Yeah. Um, No, I mean, you got to start up front. You've got another coaching change there with those guys. Uh, Freddie Roach comes home. 
this time from Ole Miss to to take over that group from Brian Baker. So another year, another defensive line coach for Alabama. You've got young talent available to Freddie. How how much better can Christian Barmore become? Can he become a more dependable option on a down-in, down-out basis? Not just make a big play once every four plays and then jump in a wrong gap the other two or three, line up incorrectly the other two or three. You know, Can he become a more mature version of a playmaker up front? Um, you know, What's the status of DJ Dale after an injury-plagued true freshman season? Uh, Byron Young certainly has ability. Justin Aboigby certainly has uh, ability up front. You get LeBron Ray back uh, from an injury-plagued 2019 season to give you some of that veteran presence that every good defensive line really needs. So I think the potential is there for Alabama to take a real big step up front, and that's going to help the linebacker level and certainly the secondary as well. I think at the linebacker level, as much as you're going to hear about Dylan Moses returning for another year and Dylan Moses' health status coming off that ACL from last uh, August, the outside spots, Chase, are, you know, when you look at the returning production from the outside linebacker positions from 2019, you're talking about one and a half sacks and three quarterback hurries from last season. That's what happens when you lose guys like Anthony Jennings and Terrell Lewis. It's as little of pass rush production from that position as I can ever recall in the Nick Saban era. So can guys like King Wakuda, Kevin Harris II, uh, Christopher Allen, um, Jerez Parks, Ben Davis, some of these guys, can they come along to go along with the three early enrollee five stars they got at the outside linebacker position and Will Anderson, uh, Chris Braswell, Drew Sanders. So you know this, Chase, typically fans get caught up in outside linebackers coming in and contributing right out the gate, but it's tough because physically a lot of these guys come in at 215, 220, 225, which means basically eliminates them from every down potential because they can't set the edge against the run at that point in their careers. They got a couple of guys in Sanders and Anderson that I think perhaps early on are going to prove capable of that. So we may see as much, much of a presence from true freshman outside linebackers, Chase, as we've seen in a long time under Nick Saban, if not his entire time at Alabama. And, and if that's the case, and that has to be the case, and, and they're, yeah. they're going to need a guy like Dylan Moses healthy all year in the middle, kind of directing traffic, making those calls pre-snap, and getting people set the way they need to be. That was a big problem for Alabama last year, obviously. It's a big role for Dylan Moses beyond just what he can do between the whistles. No doubt. And you get Josh McMillan back and, you know, and those guys that had to sort of suffer through some some hard lessons uh, last season and Shane Lee and Christian Harris, you bring those guys back. I think what this does, too, with guys like Sanders um, and and getting Dylan back at some point, although you don't expect to see him out there a ton uh, in terms of, you know, real full contact, totally cleared work, uh, the potential for more cross training. You know, that's been a staple of that defense for a number of years under Saban. Guys who could sort of transition between inside and outside spots. They haven't had that as much the last year or two. Uh, They could have more of that with this group coming in. And you've also got at that inside linebacker position a couple of early enrollees in Des Moines Kennedy and Jackson Bratton that can certainly impact the depth chart early. Uh, And that's going to be big before you even talk about a secondary chase 
at corner, you're losing a starter. At star, you're losing a starter. You're losing your two base safeties. And in one of those guys, Xavier McKinney, you're also losing your money defender in the dime. So that's why when you ask me which of those three levels I'll be sort of <laughs> tuned into the most, I got to go with all of the above because as we just ran down for you, there are questions at all three of those levels, and the fan base still has plenty of questions about Pete Golding coordinating that thing as well. Head on a swivel when you go into that practice <laughs> session. <laughs> yeah, a lot to pack in, a lot to pack into those seven minutes and forty-eight seconds. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Travis and I will be back again, probably uh, as Alabama settles into those first few spring practices. We'll crank up another podcast, maybe previewing that first Alabama football spring scrimmage for you. So we're going to stay with you all the way through spring football and keeping you up to date with the latest from the practice field. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you next time here on Talking Tide.